aka the TVA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU's 1280 AM, The Scope, Ryerson's campus and community station. My name is Anna and I'm a vegan and volunteer with the TVA. Our mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener, and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based feeding. I'm joined today by my co-host, Steve. Hi. Hi, Steve. Hi, thank you so much for joining us today. And our special guest today, I'm so happy to introduce everyone to Kimberly De Oliveira, our new executive director. Hello, Kimberly. Hi, Anna. Hi, everybody. So glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you with us. So I wasn't going to do a big introduction on Kimberly's experience and all of that. We'll get to that soon enough, and you can read all that on our website. But our interesting question is always, Kimberly, can you share with us your vegan journey or story? Yeah, definitely, Anna. I love talking about this. And, and I will say before we started the podcast, I asked if we wanted the, the short version or the long version. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to go with the, uh, the extended version, um, which is that, and I think it's relatable, which is that I didn't realize it, but I had been on a journey towards veganism since I was a kid. And um, growing up in, you know, the GTA, you know, the word vegan didn't cross my path until I was 31 or so. But, you know, even as a kid, I was very drawn to environmental causes and, you know, ways that we could reduce waste and, you know, just very much into um, all of the, the issues surrounding the environment, um, climate change, et cetera. Um, I cut out, um, eating, um, meat from pigs when I was a teen, when I found out that I was year of the pig as my Chinese Zodiac, (laughs) (laughs) pretty silly. Um, and then, you know, as I moved through my twenties, I discovered a love of cooking. I discovered a love of farmer's markets and, you know, seasonality of food ingredients, food sovereignty became really interesting to me in my mid twenties. And, um, I, uh, I started becoming really interested in the local food movement. And so I started visiting a lot of farmers markets, getting to know where my food came from, um, getting to know the farmers, the folks that produce our food. And that sort of opened my eyes to, um, you know, factory farming, quality of ingredients. That was never something that um, came up when I was younger. And so through that, I sort of started eliminating things like chicken um, and, you know, sort of mass produced um, battery cage eggs and other things out of, you know, consideration for the ethical and climate issues there, um, reduced my red meat consumption, was eating a lot of fish, um, uh, like line caught fish, um, lamb, locally raised lamb anyway. So... <laughs> I enter my thirties. I'm, you know, I've, I've been reducing this whole time and not even with, without any direction in mind. And I think it was, like I said, when I was 31, that the idea vegan sort of entered my reality. Uh, I'd never consciously heard the word before that. 
And when the idea entered my world that I could be well, I could be healthy, maybe even healthier, feel even better um, and thrive on a diet consisting exclusively of plants, it was one of those aha moments. It was one of those light bulb moments for me. And I, I must say that, you know, the first time I heard it, it was, uh, it, again, it stuck and, you know, persisted with my mind. So I started doing some research. I started learning more about plant-based eating. At the same time, I was in business school. I was doing an MBA in England and um, we were doing, it's, it, uh, my MBA has a specialization in something called the circular economy, which is an elimination of waste by design in all aspects of our, of our society and economy. And we were reading something in as a business case called the True Cost Report. And this is a, a report that comes out periodically that talks about the complete externalities of various economic systems um, and says, what would the true price, what would the true, what is the true cost of this product if we included all of the um, externalized costs and impacts associated with producing it? And I was really shocked to see that number one, um, and perhaps not surprisingly, was coal production. And this was back in 2014. Number one was coal production. And I, I kind of understood that between the effect that it has on, on people's health, their lungs, the pollution, the mining, all the things that go into coal, having it be the externalities being so high and it being such a higher cost than what we pay was not surprising. The second, in, and this is globally, it was cattle production. And that really surprised me as somebody who was, you know, just newly heard the word vegan in the last, you know, couple of months before I read that report. And just seeing, you know, the between the deforestation, the, you know, um, just on and on and on the, the animal welfare issues, the human health and cardiovascular disease and um, you know, erosion of, of ecosystems and species loss. And anyway, I can go on and on and on. But number two was cattle farming. And it really got me thinking again, once again, about animal agriculture and its current state and what that means for the world and what that means for the future. Uh, because a lot of what we talked about was how there's this tendency for folks to, in, in the world globally, to um, experience an increase in wealth and choose to consume increased quantities of meat, beef, red meat, specifically animal products more generally, um, as, you know, people move from into middle class and beyond. So, you know, there was this also this correlation that, my goodness, you know, we're already at this unsustainable level. This is one of the, the, the most impactful, highest, ex, most highly externalized industries in the world. And it's only going to increase if we keep going down this road. So that really got me thinking and really got me looking. And, you know, the, 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 cho the choice happened in January of 2015, where one evening I stumbled across Gary Yurovsky's The Best Speech You'll Ever Hear. And, uh, you know, after having watched a couple of vegan documentaries, hearing that talk, that was it for me. That was really the moment where I'm like, well, this is, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm committing to. And from that day on, it, it was about, I'd say it was about a three month journey from the, the, that moment, that aha moment where the idea that you could be a vegan came into my reality to when I listened to Gary Yarovsky and I decided that I didn't want to participate in 
um, in this at all anymore. And I didn't want to be somebody that had this misalignment with my values and my, and my, and my actions and this inconsistency between animals that I adored and animals that I consumed. So that began in earnest, my vegan journey and, um, primarily started off for health, but as time went on, it was health, it was environmental considerations. And then of course made the connection with the animals more and more and more sought that connection. And uh, that was, gosh, that was over six years ago. And I haven't looked back and I've, I'm thriving. And I, it was, it was arguably the best decision I've ever made. I think it's so interesting. I love listening to people's stories. Everyone has sort of that one little piece of information that turns everything, like makes everything come together. And everyone has almost Yours is the most unique one of all the ones I've heard. I don't even know the talk you're speaking of. It's on YouTube. If you Google the best speech you'll ever hear, it'll okay. come up. It's it's um, got a lot of views on YouTube. And the, the gentleman's name is Gary Yurovsky. I will. I will look it up. I might add it to the show notes. It's awesome. It's a talk he's giving to, I believe, a university class. And uh, yeah, it's powerful. I've heard of it before, but I haven't heard it either. Yeah. Kimberly, because you talked a little bit about what you did in school. Um, so a little bit about your history and how you came to be part of the TVA and what your <laughs> sort of motivation was for even joining us. Well, um, you know, actually my first experience with the TVA was back in 2016 as a new vegan or newer vegan and um, picking up some takeaway from a restaurant, you know, back then when we used to sort of order our food and wait and <laughs> pay in person. And uh, I saw a veg guide. Um, so I know we're, we're talking about sort of my, my career and my experience, but I just wanted to add that in that, you know, I became the, aware of the Toronto Vegetarian Association. I became a member back in early 2016. And it was as a result of the veg guide and, you know, exploring more plant-based options and wanting to support more, um, you know, restaurants and others in the city offering options to folks like me. And the idea that I could get a discount um, for doing what I was already doing was a no brainer to me. And I took the veg guide home and I, I I signed up for the TVA. Uh, so that's my sort of introduction to the organization. Um, but career-wise, my goodness, <laughs> my career um, experience might be as, as different and, and unique as, as my vegan story in the sense that, um, you know, I, I graduated university uh, right around the financial crisis in 2008. I uh, found myself wanting to start a career and sort of not knowing how and where to go and ended up uh, at Rogers Corporate for seven years uh, doing, moving up from small business to um, enterprise B2B sort of sales for them. Uh, got to the end of my twenties and realized that um, I had somehow, you know, these years had gone by and uh, I, I wanted a change. I wanted to live more in alignment with the values that I described earlier. And so I decided to leave that job and to go back to school and do, uh, do an MBA. I didn't know, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, but I wanted to upgrade my qualifications. I also didn't want to do a traditional MBA. I wanted to do something that had an impact built in, something that I could go back into the working world with a, a new view of the world, new, ex, new and, and help to create the, the change I wanted to see in the world. Um, and so I chose 
um, a Master of Business Administration uh, offered by the University of Bradford in the UK. And I did because they were the first university, now Exeter and others have joined on, who partnered with an organization called the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, who are the premier sort of circular economy think tank globally. And so that was back in 2014. After that, I um, came back to Toronto and started working with the Center for Social Innovation, which is an incredible not-for-profit organization founded in uh, 2004 by a dear friend of mine, Tanya Sermon, and uh, a group of entrepreneurs. She was an entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, and supporters. They innovated the community bond. Um, and I just really loved what they were doing. They did a lot of work on climate. They did a lot of work on on you know, incubating early stage social entrepreneurs. And that's sort of what I really came in um, as their business development and strategic partnerships manager. And my role was to um, support social entrepreneurs of every ilk, whether that was um, people, planet, um, it didn't matter, and bring uh, CSI out into the world. So CSI is a co-working space and incubator, uh, but they were looking for opportunities to partner with organizations that also supported entrepreneurship, but that normally would not have connected to them in any other way. Uh, so small business centers, colleges, universities, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs coming out of, of universities in, in uh, Ontario. And so we wanted to create partnerships because, and, and this was became very obvious that there was an increasing number of entrepreneurs interested in having a positive social and environmental impact as part of their business models. And some of the ideas they were coming up with had massive impact. Um, and, you know, really tied into my, my value and ethos of I wanted to work with organizations that were, were make, creating the change they wanted to see in the world and supporting people and supporting the planet. Uh, so I did that. We created this amazing ecosystem, worked with the province, built some platforms to help CSI, you know, increase its impact and again, reach new um, audiences. Of course, the pandemic did affect um, that organization's business model. It's affected all of our business models. Uh, and so that's how I came to become available. And, um, you know, a friend of mine uh, saw the posting for the ED position at the TVA and sent it to me. And she's like, you've got to apply for this. This is perfect for you. And I read the description. I said, huh, you know what? I think you're right. And I will. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love that. When other people see something and be like, that's you. And you're like, yeah, I wouldn't have seen that. I wouldn't have found that. Like maybe not even thought of it. Makes sense to me now. You were talking earlier about the full cost analysis, and I'm thinking, but there are so many business people, and I feel like they don't get that. So now talking about your, it was a very specific program that you went to, not just a, the generic sort of MBA program that everyone talks about, I suppose. Is that, is that right? Totally. So we yeah. did the core stuff that you need to know. Um, you know, how to read a financial statement, you know, how to forecast, how to, well, the, the great theories of strategy, et cetera. But we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, um, I guess the circular economy, just for folks that are listening that may not have heard that term or familiar <laughs> uh, with it. The, it's the idea of um, creating an economy where waste doesn't exist. And how do you do that? It's an intentional designing out of waste where what we traditionally would conceive of as waste is actually designed to be an input for a new product or process. So for example, let's use the example of 
um, a cell phone. So a cell phone would be designed and created so that both the, this from the supply chain and how the product was acquired and built to basically a cell phone would be designed to be built into another cell phone at the end of its useful life. So, you know, allowing the upgrades in software, which is primarily the upgrading and the incremental upgrades in cameras, et cetera, um, maybe storage capacity, but really, you know, you would use your cell phone, you would return it to the producer and the producer would use it to make another cell phone or an equally valuable product. Just so, so just to sort of simplify and give you an example, um, but that extends to so many things. So the idea is, um, and there's ways to, of course, create um, loyalty with customers. You know, if you think of that example where you you deal with, let's say, you know, my old employer, Rogers, and um, you, you purchase a cell phone and a plan from them. And when it's time to upgrade, they actually, um, you know, take the phone from you and provide you with a new one. And it's, uh, they could even own the phone the whole time. Because do we really, are we really buying phones or are we really buying the service of communication and the 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 tools that the phone offers is it the service or is it the phone so there's a lot of unique um, conversations there and uh yeah just very very detailed uh it was a three-year program i wrote my uh, thesis on the resource recovery and circular economy act in ontario which is uh, a law in place that is attempting to make importers of consumer goods and other waste products that are in our recycling system, by the way, you know, less than, gosh, 15% of products, you know, including industry and, and, and consumer are recycled on an annual basis um, globally. And in Canada, it's no different. It's actually a little bit lower globally. But, uh, you know, our recycling programs uh, are expensive and they're not really working. And so, um, there's an idea that we need an influx of cash and we need, you know, and by making producers of waste products, um, businesses that, that, that create these products responsible for paying for the recycling program, that some of those up, up uh, cycle um, design initiatives I talked about to eliminate the, the traditional notions of waste might be uh, stimulated by legislation like that. So uh, that's just a, a little bit more about, about um about the circular economy and, and uh, those kind of ideas. That's interesting. Uh, it seems to me also, though, uh, it'd be two steps forward if we could convince them to uh, to rent you the phone instead of selling it to you. <laughs> because then, then it is theirs at the end and they would have to figure out what to do with it. Well, and this is this is the idea. Are we buying the service of washing yeah. a, of a laundry machine or are we buying the service of, of clean cleaning yeah. clothes, right? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, Anna, to your point before, it's a great point, Steve, and to your point, Anna, before um, about why businesses don't understand that, you know, they do. Uh, the challenge is the, the shareholder value proposition, yep. the idea that, you know, the point of a business is to return value to its shareholders, yeah. Um, not stakeholders, shareholders. So this is a yeah. lot about quarterly earnings, short-term thinking. Um, you know, I, I'm so glad that I get to work for an organization and help an organization grow that has stakeholders and that their interest is not in quarterly profits <laughs> and dividends. And, uh, you know, every decision is made on, on that premise, but really an organization that, that supports people and people in the best possible way, which is, you know, their health and living in alignment with their values. It's just been 
it's just so much, it's amazing. It just, it's inspiring for me every single day. Going back to the TVA directory that you first picked up, do you remember where you were? So it was a restaurant around the, the Broadview area on the east side of the TVP. It was one of the, the pocket of um, veggie places on, on that side of uh, the highway. I don't remember the exact one, but I do remember the area. Uh, and so what's your favorite place within your neighborhood? Let's talk about food. Oh, please. I, you know, I love cooking. I love eating. That kind of kicked that all off, right? I mentioned back in my twenties that, um, I started cooking for myself and became really interested in farmers markets and all that good stuff. So I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the farmers at the Brickworks farmers market. Um, you know, at one point I was there every single Saturday and have been going there for years and years and years, even before I was vegan. And that, that amazing. So fresh produce and local produce in season fruits and veggies, definitely my favorite, (laughs) my favorite thing for sure. Um, gosh, in terms of a restaurant around here, I, um, well, I, my favorite takeaway is sushi and that's helpful because I can get plant-based sushi and share with friends who are not plant-based. Um, but love cafe has a great sushi pop-up um, Planta does great sushi, um, but these aren't, you know, in my neighborhood necessarily. I am, um, I think a lot of vegans would agree that I kind of go out of my way to try new foods and new, new products. A uh, product that I'm loving right now is, um, green goddess cheese that is out of Guelph. I was in Guelph recently, um, dropping some items off to you, Anna, and I stopped and bought a bunch of green goddess cheeses. They're a little bit harder to find in, uh, in Toronto. I know they do exist, but um, I couldn't, I had to take the chance and, and stop and, and get a bunch of their cheeses and I'm, I'm loving them. They're ex- really extraordinary. Yeah, she's quite fabulous. She um, actually learned from a friend of ours at, a, like an, at an event and she, the other person was just, had picked up these neat techniques and she learned through that and she's just taken off she has got that business mindset and she really loves to cook and yeah she's very inspirational she even during the pandemic she opened a storefront which I thought was just wild right like she's just taking advantage of this time to do all kinds of things I'd love to get her on our podcast one day Steve do you have any questions for Kimberly? Cheeses are a very interesting subject, though, and I, I haven't come across that one. Uh, Is it just me or maybe um, some of you can relate that, you know, every time I see a new vegan cheese, I have to buy it and try it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably tried every single vegan cheese available uh, in the GTA and beyond, you know, like I was uh, an earlier, early Whole Foods person. And I would drive over to the States to go to Whole Foods. Um oh just because they had so many cool products that weren't here and, and a lot of plant-based products this is way back in the day. Of yeah. course. Um, I'm particularly fond of Miyoko's and oh, right? Stokes. Stokes is the local one though. that I Stokes like. is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, love. I have a, a cream cheese in the fridge from them right now. Yeah. Miyoko's butter though. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Uh, right. The, the other vegan butters I've, tried uh, stay hard all the time where hers spreads even if it's quite cold and it, and it's got the right taste yeah 
Wow. Hey, Kimberly or Steve, have either of you tried to make your own cheese? I uh, haven't. Yes. Yep. Please, Steve, yes, share, yeah, share yeah. with us your cheese making. I've been to two workshops. <clears throat> one was by Miyoko and the other one was by uh, Lisa Pittman, former, former podcast host, actually, <laughs> from way back. And, uh, and, and she and a partner wrote, wrote a book on, uh, that included cheese making uh, directions. You don't need a recipe for making cheese. You need directions for how to go about it, which is a little different from just the recipe. But yeah, I've, I've, I've been fascinated by the subject of making vegan cheeses, and that's why I attended those two. So uh, I just... Uh, so Kimberly, you, you yes. have made your own cheese, have you? I Yeah, yeah Steve, I have. Um, I actually just grabbed uh, my copy of The Homemade Vegan Pantry by Miyoko Skinner. Um, oh, yes. She has I a butter that. recipe, which is great. Yeah. Um, if you are a vegan that does consume oil, there's a bit of oil in it. Um, lots of great from scratch food making here. Um, yep. My dad became lactose intolerant later in his life. And so I've been trying to make vegan cheeses for him because he can't have regular cheeses anymore. And he and that's for the best, um, really. But the most successful vegan cheese I ever made was from a, a food blog called Raw Vegan Not Gross. <laughs> And, <laughs> and it was sort of like a cheese ball um, with, you know, uh, sun-dried tomatoes, garlic, um, sort of a squeezed out cashew cheese ball that was great with veggies, great with crackers. Every omnivore that's tried it is like, this is great. Uh, so raw vegan, not gross. Um, and she's fun. She has a YouTube channel as well. I like her recipes a lot. By the way, the two... Uh... Vegan work, uh, vegan cheese workshops I attended were both at uh, at VegFest at uh, at Arborfront. Oh, I didn't know so, that. I didn't realize Miyoko had been to the TVA. Yeah, uh, at the uh, I've, I've lost track of years. Five years <laughs> Maybe seven. I lose track of years easily. I'm uh, I'm of that age. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, but but she was sort of the head, the headline guest. She she flew in from California. To, but uh, there was a Thursday night, there was a reception and for TVA members. That was an extra event. It was a, uh, got to sample her cheeses. Uh, I was on a Via train arriving back in town that afternoon. And it was, the train was nine hours late and I missed, the, I missed most of the reception. I got there late in the reception, but the food was gone. <laughs> but, but that same weekend, she gave a workshop on making vegan cheeses. And I found that fascinating. Wow, what an experience. I mean, yeah, I Miyoko at, at um, Veg Food Fest, who knew? Yes. That's extraordinary. We've done some really cool things as an organization, haven't we? Yeah, and just, just the history going back to uh, 1945 uh, is just worth noting to people. Uh, Absolutely. Imagine that, how innovative that is, starting a, a vegetarian association way back in 1945. Yeah. It's so cool. A former executive director, uh, David Alexander wrote some stuff on the earlier history of the TVA. And actually there was a, an organization that came below it, before it called the Toronto River Food Reform League. Oh. And it went back to 1911. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it dissipated and spread out uh, at the time of the Second World War but a small group of vegetarians, like the organization wasn't totally vegetarian, but a small group that were hardcore vegetarians stuck together and then in 45 started the TVA. 
That's amazing. That's but amazing. Our, yeah, in a sense, our history goes back to 1911. I just hope that, and I just, this is my dream for us, is that we can continue uh, to innovate as we have over these years and continue to be as innovative as ever um, yeah. and continue to grow and spread the message about a healthier, greener, and more compassionate lifestyle. I'm sure that we will with your help and direction. So really. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Anna. There's yeah. um, the, the pandemic has been wonderful and challenging. It's been challenging because mm-hmm. we are an events based organization and there's a lot of things like our, our veg food fest that we'd love to do in the ways that we've done it before that um, are not available to us this year, but it's yeah. also opened up a lot of opportunities for us to innovate and to try some things uh, that we may not have had the capacity, time, um, impetus, you know, need to try. As, as my grandma always said, a necessity is the mother of invention. So or maybe it was my grandma always said, it. I don't know if she made it up. She got it from somewhere, but I, it always stuck with me. Um, and so we're, we're just, you know, there's necessity and hopefully we can we can do some really neat things. So the decision for a virtual event has been made this year? Well, Steve, you know, um, with the, the situation changing so rapidly and day to day, I I would I can honestly say that no single decision has been made yet. Um, certainly, okay. we are looking at um, doing something virtually. We have to. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But you know what that looks like, whether it's a hybrid, whether what 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 we can do is still is still uh, becoming. It's still oh, yeah. becoming, it's still emerging. So okay. we'll see, okay. we'll definitely see. Okay, because I hadn't heard any announcement in there and I thought I'd get some- You and me there. both. <laughs> Kimberly, yeah. did you want to say a couple of things about the future, future plans? Well, um, I think I'd, I'd just like to invite everybody that's listening to get to know us. Anyone who's interested in learning more to connect with us, uh, our website is uh, veg.ca, as I'm sure is in the, the um, show notes. Um, and there, you know, we have a newsletter called Toronto Veg News, which, you know, we have about 4,500 people connected to. And every month we'll share the newest in um, vegan news, restaurant openings, uh, recipes, you know, inspiration. It's a, it's a really amazing newsletter and definitely worth a join. So that's right at the bottom of the page on veg.ca. And uh, of course, you know, 75 years uh, behind us and 75 to come, we'd love to invite anyone listening to join us as a member and support our organization. And that's at veg.ca oh, yeah. slash join as well. Oh, and I just realized, uh, yeah, Miyoko was at the 70th, right. And I'll just add on to what Kimberly has said to say, we also welcome your feedback and comments on all the activities that we do. And if you have any questions or want to be more involved, reach out to us on our social media platforms, by email, by phone, we would love to hear from you. Um, And I've been asked to do a little bit of a shout out. We're hosting, and Steve is part of uh, that event, an online vegan lunch group that meets on Thursdays. And if you'd like to join that, I will add that to the show notes. So you've been listening to Veg Out, the Toronto Vegetarian Podcast, brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association. Find out everything you need to know about what we do at veg.ca. Thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. Thank you so much to Kimberly for joining us today and for sharing your story and all of your knowledge and information and inspiration for the coming years for the TVA. And... uh, 
until next time, veg out. Veg out. Veg out. Thank you so much, everyone. (laughs)